Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Hope you're doing great today. We've got a really fun guest, and you're going to love the conversation that I had with Daryl Stuckey. And he's a former Pro Bowler from the San Diego Chargers. He played from 2010 to 2016 with the Chargers as a safety and special team standout after being drafted in the fourth round. He played his college football at Kansas, where he made the first team all Big 12 team. This past fall, he was inducted into the Football Ring of Honor at Kansas. And most importantly, he's a follower of Jesus, a husband, a father of four, and he's on staff with a ministry that is called Called to Greatness. And so he's back on campus uh, at, at Kansas. And, and so we'll jump into that conversation in a moment. Uh, man, he's got so, so many stories to share. We'll ask him about Philip Rivers, and you'll hear about the ministry that he's up to now. Uh, his thoughts on fatherhood are really good. And then stick around at the end of the conversation. I'll give you a few of my takeaways and, and something to think about uh, as we end the show. Be sure to check out our website, unpackingit.com. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, make sure you do so and then help us share it. Let's spread the word. Let other people know that, hey, there's a show about sports, faith, and life. You got to check it out. So uh, definitely uh, we appreciate the support on that and, and definitely need your help to, uh, to spread the word. And then also we have a devotional that we call Unpack This. It's a weekday email that goes out and it's a quick thought about sports, faith, and life delivered to your inbox. But right now, let's jump in. Here is Daryl Stuckey. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now is Daryl Stuckey right here on the Unpacking It podcast. Daryl, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? I'm fantastic. Having a great day. I feel like I'm being a little bit productive. I did my anagram not too long ago, and I'm a three, which means I'm an achiever. So I feel like I'm achieving today, so I'm doing great. <laughs> How do you handle the, <laughs> the, the days when you don't feel that way? Because a, a lot of days I'll end and I'll go, man, did I, did I do enough today? And I have to battle against those thoughts. For me, I knowing that I'm a three, because I don't put myself in a box. Like I don't like to be categorized, mm. but I do like information and self-reflection. So for me as a three, I think that the days I don't feel like I'm achieving, what did I do today? And sometimes it's hard to track what you actually did in those times you don't feel like you're achieving. Yep. So what I learned to do is set small goals for the day, like whatever you're like, my wife will call it a to-do list. <laughs> I, I like to call it a, a get done list. <laughs> I like that. 
<laughs> so for me, also, I'll just write down the things that are anchored. Like I had a staff meet today. I met with a student um, athlete on uh, going over um, Kingdom Living as well as a Bible project video. Uh, then before that, I had what we call abide, which is literally just an hour of prayer with mm-hmm. a couple of people in the same room. So you all you're doing your own like little devotional with with God, God time, but it's all in the same room with music, with worship music playing in the background. And then at the end of it, we just come together with and talk about what God revealed to us during that time or what we what we got from God during that time, which is pretty powerful to be in the same room, all studying separate things that, that you would be studying anyway on your own in your quiet time of God. But doing it intentionally for an hour and then sharing it or proclaiming what you learned in that in that time with God. So it's just pretty cool. Ah, that that's awesome. That's that's a neat kind of concept to to do because yeah, I mean, normally I'm spending time with with God alone, but the encouragement yeah. that you get kind of following that, I'm sure, just adds to to the experience. So that's uh that's 100%. awesome. Because a lot of times, like you said, like a lot of times naturally we do our devotions alone, isolated. In those moments, yes, we feel great about it, but when we live there, the, the real world happens. And a lot of times you don't get opportunities to share what you learn in that in that quiet time with God to anybody else. Sometimes our life, lifestyles don't really do it unless we force it to come out or force it into a conversation. But um, in this context, it's kind of encouraging to hear what other people are getting from God, as well as sometimes in agreement how like that day, what you got out of this also correlates to what they said about that. And it kind of gives you this opportunity to not only proclaim what you learn, but to verbalize it, which makes it sit in your head a lot, a lot stronger in your heart. Now you, now you put it into context, into words, or put the content into words. Now it's more grounded in what you, what you stand, what your day, as you go, uh, go about your day. So it's just another way of sticking to it. And it's encouraging because when you do it, the word abiding means like longing. And like, and, and, and when you abide with something, it means like you're meditating, like you're, you're soaking in it. Mm. And it's, 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 and it's, so it's, um, how can you walk with someone if you don't agree with them and you can't abide in something with someone unless you agree with them. Mm. That, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, we're, man, we're, we're diving right in. I, I, right I, in. I, off the <laughs> Go. I, I love it. So, uh, want to definitely talk, talk more, uh, about your, your faith and, and, and your family. And, and so we'll, we'll definitely do all of that. Uh, I did want to ask you a couple football questions and, and one of the big stories uh, this week in the NFL is kind of the reality that it, that it looks like Philip Rivers isn't returning to the Chargers. And, and so you as a former San Diego Charger, just curious what you think of, of him maybe no longer playing for the Chargers and, and just curious what kind of teammate he was when, when you were with him. Philip's career with the Chargers, I mean, most people can't even identify with any other quarterback before no. him. No. Uh, in this in this generation, even though it was Drew Brees, we identify with Drew Brees as a saint. The idea of that is is crazy. It's it's it, it would be weird. It'd feel like every game is a uh, preseason game. Watching any other quarterback <laughs> out there yeah. um, in place of where he usually would be, and it, it's not a hundred percent just yet. I mean, obviously the implications are seem pretty sure that it is, but uh, I know him as a man, and as a man, he's unwavering. Mm. He, the same leader he is at at practice or in the locker room is the same leader style of the same leader, different style, same leader he is at home wow. uh, with his family. He's just as intentional with his kids and with his wife as he is at home. I mean, you kind of got to be if you have nine. Uh, <laughs> so it's one of those things to where he always has a plan for what he has to do next or what he's responsible for. And so he he never seems to be 
one of those people who looks at what he's losing or what is being taken, but more of what is being given, what is he, what resources he has to work with, and where do we go from here? Wow. I mean, he, he was raised as a coach's son also, so he always is uh, ready and ready and to be to adjust the plan or call it audible. <laughs> yep. But he's very stable in his faith, stable in his family, and I, I don't I don't have to uh, worry that he will have a hard time transitioning. I think he would redirect his focus in a in a in a way that's effect effective and um, fruitful for him and his family. Oh, that's that's cool. No, that's that's a great perspective on on him, and it's yeah, it's just crazy. We, we you know hearing even Drew Brees, you mentioned him. Is he going to return to the Saints? And of course, Tom Brady and Eli Manning just retired, so it's a it's a changing of the guard at the quarterback position, and it's fun to Which see. Which him and Eli same year? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and we'll see if Roethlisberger comes back healthy too, because I feel like he's still yeah. somewhat of a question mark since he was out last year. Um, well, let's talk about your career a little bit, and and so. When you look back at the, the time you spent in the NFL, what were the, the most pivotal moments in, in your career and, and some of the, the strongest memories of your time? I'll start with a strong memory. I remember the first time I took the field, it was OTAs. I just got there, and I was rotating in with the ones and the twos. Mm. And it's this first time I got out there, and it was first OTAs uh, at the time – Sean Marion was holding out. Mr. Jackson was holding out. Uh, I just look up, and I'm at strong safety, so I'm standing across from Antonio Gates. Uh, <laughs> I look over Chris Dillman to see Phillip. Like, obviously, he's at quarterback. And then just behind him was Jacob Hester. And then behind Jacob Hester was Darren Sproles. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, holy moly. And I look out to my left, flexed out. There's Malcolm Floyd. <laughs> It's just, I was just like, wow. Yeah. And then I look over to my right on my side of the ball. There's Eric Weddle. And in front of me, you see, oh, man, it goes on and on. And you look at look at that dynamic defense he's shine. Phillip sitting right there. And Quentin Jammer to my left. Anton Kaysan to my right. And I hit, hit me. I was like, wow. And then the ball snapped. And I got left in the open field with Darren Sproles with no pads on and trying to tag off on him, which wasn't a great place to be. But uh, – <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's when I really realized that, oh, he throws a little sidearm. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> Phillip was looking at what perceived to me be the dig route, which is in the middle of the field in between the hashes somewhere where the ball is going to be delivered right outside the hashes a little bit. He goes to throw, start his throwing motion, and the last minute he turns his head to the flat where Sproles is. While I, while I'm at it, uh, I'm covering the, like the outside lower flat, so I'm in a, a low third. So I got to the outside, and so I have Sproles, but I I start leaning towards the dig because I think he's going to throw it there. But I, I, at this time, it didn't hit me that he throws sidearm, and he has this thing what he does at the very last minute. He starts his throwing motion. The very last minute, he turns his head to see the flat route, so he's throwing it to Sproles, and now I got. 12 yards between me and Sproles one-on-one Ooh. and I got a tag off. It just wasn't a great place to be. And I, I, can't, I can't say I was achieving. Uh, in that play. Uh, <laughs> how, how, how fast was Sproles? It's not about how fast it's how fast, how quick he gets to his smack speed mm. and how quick he changes direction while still maintaining his speed. Oh. I don't know how crazy fast he may be like vertically. Yeah. Like, just straight ahead. All I know is it doesn't change when he changes direction. Like, <laughs> and that's the hard part. At least you can create an angle to catch somebody that's fast. True. But when that person can redirect 
that your angle and not change speed, it kind of diminishes your ability to react. That's a great memory. Gosh, those are some some great names and Charger oh, legends man. too. That's awesome. What what about some of the the pivotal moments that you know, impacted your career, but but it kind of impacted your life just from the football perspective? I dream as a kid to want to play football in the fifth grade. And the funny thing about that is I wanted to be an architect. Mm-hmm. I wanted to build houses. I loved houses and loved drawing them. Interesting. But in fifth grade, I was able to play tackle football for the first time. And with that team, we won the state championship. Mm. And I made the game winning tackle. Wow. Being obedient and doing only what I knew I was supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> Double reverse. I was told to stay home. I stayed home. Had two big old linemen coming towards me that was trying to block me to clear the way while everybody else went the wrong way because the double reverse. Uh, and I just did what my coach told me. If you ever find yourself in a place to where you don't not sure if you can make the tackle, just close your eyes and get big. Like, <laughs> <I love laughs> get, get low, close your eyes and get big. Embrace. And somehow, some way, those two big dudes ran right past me, and the guy who had the ball ran right into me. And in that moment, we won state. It was the first time I felt a sense of belonging. The first time I felt like I belonged with a group of people that didn't judge me, but wanted me to be there. And at that moment, that was the best feeling in the world. And we achieved something in that moment together that none of us could have did on our own. And the trophy was taller than most of us. It was four foot (laughs) plus. And so for me, that year, we had this quilt thing. And I actually was given to me when I went back and was and, and did a, donated a book per student to my elementary school. It was a quilt that had a tile in it that we we're supposed to draw what we wanted to be when we grew up. Up to this point, I wanted to be an architect and I still wanted to be an architect. But in that moment, after that happened, I drew a football Ooh. team on that quilt in the fifth grade. And obviously fast forward, ended up playing in football. Um, I was brought back to that because my rookie year was rough. Uh, I, I wasn't giving I wasn't given a clear picture of what I needed to be achieving. Mm. I, I didn't understand the whole dress rule. So like I, I was on the roster. I was active. I was at the game, but I was never dressed in a uniform. Ooh. So I was on the sideline in street clothes. And this wasn't apparent, wasn't explained to me before. First game of the seasons at Kansas City. Home game. Grandma was watching the game. Grandma was excited. 30 people in the stands waiting for me to come out. I get to the locker room. No jersey. Oh. In my mind, I'm like, did I just get cut? Oh, no. Oh, is they bring me here to leave me? Like, <laughs> like, like this is, I, I don't know the whole, like, inactive but inactive for the game rule. Mm. And nobody told me. And I was the only one that they forgot to tell that I was inactive for the game. And so, and then when I asked about it, I was like, I was like, what, a, what, what, what where's my jersey? And he goes, oh, they didn't talk to you? Yeah, somebody come talk to you. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> in the same sense i'm trying to be sensitive to the fact that he's about to go start he's got to go play this is monday night oh. but he, and so i'm like Ugh. and then my mother i talk call my mother, say, mother i'm actually and then they finally tell me coach coach um turner north turner oh yeah apologized and said we sorry we didn't tell you um you, nothing wrong that you did we just have a limited amount, amount of roster space i was coming off an injury that happened in preseason had only played in the last preseason game still kind of get stronger a little bit and but didn't know the rule. He goes, you're still good. We like who you, we, 
you're not just dressing for this game. That's all. And I was like, oh, okay. So I called my mother and I can't explain the rule. I still don't know it. My grandma's <laughs> like, why would they do that to you? That's so rude to them. I said, no, grandma, it's okay. I'm still on the team. I just, it's just a rule that I didn't know. And they got to tell me, why would they do that? They, we all here to support you. I, like, I know grandma. It's the worst news you had to tell your grandma. Oh, man. Well, Fast forward, I have a rough first year because only dressed in one game and it was the worst game of my life. Uh, we gave up like two and a half touchdowns to Washington. Player's name was Washington, last name Washington. That's all I saw was the back of his jersey. Oh. Uh, and it was at Seattle. He returned two kickoffs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Leon. 2010. Yes, Leon Washington. Yeah, who, friend of the show. Who I met later on and did an event with, a strong believer. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. And so, um, so, but – that's when I get my I dress in, and the and I, I get blamed for the whole game. I I, I wasn't oh. supposed to dress. I wasn't supposed to dress, and a player gets hurt on Friday at practice. Saturday morning, they try to teach me his position and try to put me in the game and tell me I'll just run fast and disrupt. I I, I never played all season. Oh, I didn't dress in any games at all season. I was on practice squad. All like not practice squad, but I was on the practice squad team. I was on the scout team all season, yeah. all season, but still active. But um, even though it doesn't seem like a great moment. It was a pivotal moment because the next year we get a new special teams coordinator and he looks at me and says, I need you to be my God. I need you to be my God. Mm. It, was, it was Coach Passaccia that's in Oakland now. He goes, I need you to be my God. He goes, I watched you when I was in Tampa. Um, we wanted you. The Chargers picked you before we got to you. He goes, but I know you're a special teams guy. And I know you won special teams MVP player of the year at Kansas and you weren't a returner. Yep. And, I, and, I'm, and at that point, I'm like, dang, he actually knows me. Knows me. Like he, okay. And so, I played a lot of positions in special teams that I never had played before. I never was a gunner before then. And they, I, I remember Quentin Jammer telling me to pull my hamstrings up because I, I was torso dominant and I had shorter legs. Like I was a square, like my body frame was a square, like perfect square. Like I was upper body was as long as my lower body. And uh, yeah. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. So even though I'm six foot tall, I got the advantage of like shorter guys. I have my, my hips are lower to yeah. the ground. And so very, very much so. So I had advantage of leverage all the time. And so, and I was explosive and I was fast. And so most safeties don't play gunner. And the first game was 9-11. We oh. had a flyover. It's against Percy Harvin. Oh. <laughs> Adrian Peterson. Oh. And I'm out there and I'm facing the double team. And this double team reminded me of fifth grade, state championship, close my eyes, arms wide. But the only difference was all I saw in that moment was like my faith. Mm. And in that moment, it was like, hey, it's harder for two people to be in agreement than it is for one. Hmm. You may be two bodies, but if they aren't in agreement, they can't stop you. Hmm. So how do I put doubt into one of their one of their hearts to defeat them both? And in that moment was pivotal not only for me at my career in football, because obviously I became a special teams player and became a pro bowler in special teams, but that moment I beat them and made the tackle with the double team on me. And I was, and I didn't find out till later, but the coaches were talking among themselves, like, cause I was a nice guy to my teammates. I was always approachable, but I was also was voted nice guy on the team in college. But for some reason that didn't translate into NFL. They were like, oh, he's too nice to be a good player. <laughs> like, my teammates, what do you mean I'm too nice to be a good player? Oh, that's I, not right. I, mighty hard. I still like to win. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, but I played under, with the conviction, uh, not with the anger, but with the conviction. I didn't know what what I was against until it was before me. And I, I didn't focus on anything else except the double team that was in, straight in front of me. And didn't, And out of that, I got the player of the game for that game. I made three other tackles. But the very first play, I gave up a touchdown to Percy Harvin uh, wow. <laughs> on kickoff. 
and came to the sideline. Oh, I had a flashback of Washington. And so, but the next time I made the tackle, made the play and made a good play. I think we ended up winning the game. And then after the game, I prayed and ended up kneeling right next to Adrian Peterson, who gave me a vice grip, like doing oh. the prayer. Oh. Like, come on, we are praying. We are not shaking. Uh, but it was amazing because at that moment, I realized that it's not what you do all the time, but what you believe about what you're doing. And some people look at a double team like, oh, we can't rely on him because he's getting doubled. He's out of it. And for me, my entire career, I had a winning record versus double teams. I was the most double player in the NFL for four years straight at one point. And what in that, that moment, I had a 70% win percentage versus a double team most of the time. Hmm. And because I never looked at it as defeated, but as an opportunity to make them disagree. <laughs> wow. that That's neat. Well, so how does that kind of mindset translate to today? What, what do you take away from that? What you kind of learn through that? You mean besides beating a double team? It doesn't yeah. really translate to life unless you're fighting. It's not good. No, that's uh, right. No, I'm joking. Uh, for me, it, it helps me with my marriage. Mm. Uh, because how can I walk with my wife if we can't agree? Mm. And it, it makes me realize that if there is anything that may, has us in disagreement, is it a spiritual battle? Is it pride, first of all? Mm-hmm. Or is it a different of perception mm. uh, of, of our perceptions? And and who has um, the expertise in the area? Mm. Interesting. <laughs> uh, and I say that because anytime you're, anytime you're on a team, or in a marriage, or in a friendship, you have to be aware of each other's strengths and weaknesses. That's good. And the more you're aware of each other, the more you can help each other flourish and maximize their potential. Because for me, in, in Genesis, when it says God created man and gave him the power to cultivate and keep, first of all, the word cultivate means to maximize potential. Hmm. And to keep means protect. So if that's my job, I don't have dominion over my wife or over any team or any person I'm with, but I have the power to pour into them in a way in which I can cultivate and help them like reach their maximum potential. And I can keep them. I can protect them and help them in any way I can. But if I don't know them, I can't. Mm. And so for me, how that work correlates for me in real life is that I make sure that no matter what I do, I do it wholeheartedly in a way in which I agree mm. with what's been done. And if I can't agree, then I know I can't put myself into it and can't put my heart into it. And it's no point of me doing it. And so another example would be like, my wife is an elementary education major. Hmm. When it comes to teaching our kids to read, whatever she says, <laughs> oh, yes, I can read. I think I read pretty good. Great comprehender. But she's been trained specifically to teach young kids to read. <laughs> so my seven, my six-year-old son about to be seven in two weeks. If he's trying to learn to read, I'm going to make sure that I'm following whatever plan that she put in place for him. Oh. When it comes to him being explosive and jumping up the third stair and learning how to dunk, <laughs> I I would expect her to rely on me and my expertise to get him to maximize potential. Not that I'm only a jock and only know, but that's what my I was a professional athlete in explosiveness and running. I'm smart. I know a lot outside of football, but that's one place that I'm more of an expert than my wife. <laughs> yeah. And so when it comes to education, we can different things that we know more about, yeah, we can find those. But when it comes to specific things like teaching them to read, teaching them like elementary math, now when he gets to like the the bigger idea of things, like, yeah, I can step in and be like, oh, I know this one. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but when it comes to certain things like that, we got to understand who we are and what we're capable of and who we're working with. Because mm. we may have similarities, but 
we don't need to argue about similarities. We need to figure out how we can help or do whatever we're doing and which and the things we don't have in similar that can aid to what we're doing. That's cool. Man, no, good good stuff. I, I appreciate that that answer. Well, l- let's talk about kind of post-career. And you mentioned earlier, you think, hey, Philip Rivers, he'll, he'll handle the transition well. How did you handle the, tr- tr- the transition away from playing football? And ultimately, kind of when did you know that you wanted to get into ministry? Uh, let's go. I'll go backwards in those questions. I know I want to get into ministry all along. Okay. I knew I was calling on my life. And it was because I enjoyed building houses. Yep. yep. Uh, I, I, but the reality is, it's just like God told them, like, hey, I want to make you a fisher of men. Like God gave me a message that I want to make you a builder of men, mm-hmm. a builder of people. And so for me, that's where I find joy, like my true joy and fulfillment is in building people, is in fellowship. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm trying to fix everybody. No, 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 no. I'm trying to fellowship with people and just trying to journey with them it's not necessarily me telling you what no because what works for me ain't gonna work for you mm. but i want to i do want to make sure you maintain a connection to truth to when you make your path it's a stable foundation and not something that's just going to weather away and break away based on circumstances and so for me that process came early and i i created a website uh me and my wife actually did it together which the name of it is Living for One, but it's easier to remember my name than Living for One. So two domains, one website. That's right. Uh, and we put our message of like what our life mission was. Like to Living for One is you as an individual, how you influence yourself, how you pour into yourself, and how you influence others. Uh, then the second one is family, your primary institution, uh, how it influences you and how you inf- intentionally influence it. And then secondary institution, which is school, work, team. Uh, the third one is community. And then how, and then the fourth one is how, your, how you intentionally influence the world on a broader scale and how you fit into everything. So it's, for me, the process of transitioning out, I thought was going well hmm. because I didn't have the issues that statistically say that players would have. I didn't have infidelity issues. I, 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 I'm only, I'm three years removed now. Average player goes broke, divorced, bankrupt within three years. Like it's like over 70%. And so financially, we weren't having issues. We were pretty smart, even though our contract never went across Fort Center. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were pretty smart. Uh, That's good. Uh, we were of it. And we resided. Uh, we have four kids now. And we've always been first in our lives. And partying wasn't an issue. And I only had one cell phone, so there was no other. Yeah. <laughs> And, That's cute. But the thing was, yeah, it is. The thing was, is that what, what, why, the reason why I say I thought I was doing well is the devil was way more crafty than I ever gave him credit for. No. And I say that because I had an injury and I don't share this with many people, but I had an injury uh, that was obvious. And that was, my knee was banged up. Uh, I have never believed that I couldn't do something that God put before me. I, I believe that if, if there is a barrier before you and it's for, but, but what's on the other side is for you, God has what you need. And a lot of it's already in you, but some of it may be in the people around you to help support you to get through the obstacle that's stopping you from getting to where you got to go. There's resources that are provided somehow, some way. We just have to see it through mm-hmm. and keep our eyes open and not limit ourselves. What happened, I had to tell my son no over and over and over and over and over and over again, daily. Multiple times. I had to say, no, son, I can't. 
no son i can't i can't right now and it, it was because of money um and it wore on me mm. and i didn't know it was until it was too late or until it was like lifted and i was in a dark place not outwardly but internally to where i wasn't depressed it was more so of i felt like i wasn't achieving because i intruded in my wife's domain <laughs> in the house yeah threw off her she had never had to answer to me because she ran she was i was at work she was at so she ran the house very efficiently here i am coming in like hey how can i help what's going on like what's up? What's up i want to achieve today what's up i got this get this do let's map up let's think up let's get done but the problem was I was used to visually seeing everything as like a team meeting, as like an itinerary for the day. And she's like, I don't write down what I have to do in order and when I, with time and how I'm going to spend these things. I just get done one thing and then move to the other. Like, so you don't just, what if you let that one thing consume you until you get it done? Like, what, 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 what do you do to, and so it was all these things I was throwing off. And I, it was the first time I felt like I wasn't being a credit mm. to the team. I feel like more like I was in the way and I had never felt that way before. Mm. And on top of that, me still having to tell my son, no, 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 no. It created this barrier between me and him that he was the key to my doubt. He was the key to my uh, self-worth because me telling him no, which I never quit anything in my life. And I never not tried to do something. And me being a father because of my testimony, because of my childhood, me being a father and a husband was number one. Number It was like my top priority. Football wasn't. It was like me being a dad and a husband was yeah. like my joy of life because of what I went through as a kid and, and towards before going into college. And I don't know if you want to get into that, but that's another long story. Yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but so because of that, my step my stepfather had went to prison going into going into my senior year of high school, and so I left practice thirty minutes early to go to work uh, almost every day uh, to help my mother. Uh, or take care of my senior expenses so my mother would have to stress out about them. Wow. And in that place, I realized the impact the father had on a home mm. or the decisions or the lack thereof. And and so for me, that was number one. If football ever came in the way of me being a father and a husband, it was a no-brainer. And so not being able to, to fully be there for my son to go play catch, to just go chase him around, to just have fun. It wasn't a crazy thing. It was like, Dad, you want to go play catch? Dad, you want to go outside and run? Like, you want to go run with me? You want to play with me, Dad? Like, uh, it was a point I couldn't, I couldn't get on the ground. But it was a year. Uh, my knee kept shifting. And and it, it was, yeah, and it, it was one. And this is after I stopped playing. It just kept shifting. And so uh, it's rectified now. We, we got it taken care of now. But I had two surgeries within a year. And we had to have a third one to even have a chance to keep playing. But it wouldn't guarantee that I'd be able to play still. It was a it was a weird. It was one, it's a one, one of a kind um, injury. And so for me, I keep telling him no for a year straight every day. It created this like aggression I had towards him because I felt like he had a key to my emotions hmm. because it, he had a key to my failure. And I had to literally work through that when I realized that's what the devil was doing. But the devil was taunting me with my son because I fulfill his joy or his happiness at the time to go play. But the reality is my son loved me regardless if I could go play with him or not. That's he cool. knew I couldn't. Yeah. Like my first surgery, my son went with me to rehab for three months straight every single day. He saw me when I couldn't walk. He saw me when I was on crutches and he ran with me for the first time when I can run again. And he walked with me for the first time. He was only three and oh, he man. saw me. So that in that season, he prayed for every player on IR all season long. He he learned discernment. He learned he learned what prayer was. He learned what um, compassion was. And he knew what inter- interceding for others meant that year. And so for me, 
him telling him I couldn't broke me because of he was with me through the process of the first surgery. Now here we are, fast forward. I can't be with you right now, and I couldn't. Yeah, so it was man, it was rough. But when I said, God, you know what, Lord, I'm not, I told myself that, you know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until my knee gets healthy to just go into ministry, Lord. You know what? I know I told you I'd give you myself when I was done football. I didn't have an excuse to be obligated to anything else. I'm going to wait till my knee gets right. When you heal my knee, I'll, I'll give you all of me. And, wow. and eventually, I was like, you know what? Forget it. Lord, I'll surrender. I'll figure it out as I go. I surrender. And when I said that, it was like a cloud moved from over my, like, my lenses. It's like I had the wrong color lenses. I was seeing life through the wrong lenses. And it was like, my sight was clear and I had this freedom of joy and I started laughing uncontrollably about the simplest things. And it was during March Madness and it was during like the, the first like in, introduction of like the, the um, commercials where the guy was talking about colorful, colorful commentary. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, they're out here with bright green, <laughs> lime green. He was creating, he goes, Hey, you know, colorful commentary isn't really colorful, right? <laughs> and I would be dying laughing with commercials. And my wife was like, it was, she started getting annoyed, like, dude, like, what's going on? And so when I shared it with her, and it was funny, she didn't give me the reaction I thought she would. And I apologized to her because it had interrupted a lot of our uh, communication mm-hmm. because of the way I perceive things and things that she would always say to me to challenge thoughts because I'm a very lofty person. And she was a person, she's, she's, she's very thoughtful. And she thinks things thoroughly. So when I would be a lofty person, she would be a grounded person. <laughs> She's like, well, what about this? How would you do this? And, I, and if I knew if I could answer every question that it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. But since I was going through this issue that personally with self-worth, with um, achieving or with um, doubt, I was resenting her responses Ooh. and feeling threatened by her questions. And I had to apologize to her because I was like, I'm sorry. It wasn't you. It was me. I was going through something I didn't realize. Mm. And I was I was under attack. And just spiritually, I didn't realize that my heart was so heavy because I was telling my son no every day. And that I couldn't physically do things that I value as a father with, with my kids. Not just my son, but with my daughters too. But he was the oldest at the time that was the most active. And it released so much joy and it was, man, my life has been great ever since seeing clear. And I still have my battles with like anybody else with sin or with life. But And, and yeah, I guess the, the surrender aspect of that. And so now that you're, you know, you're, you work on a college campus and, and you're pouring into the, these kids at, at that school, the school that you went to as a, as a football player. And so that word surrender, what, what does that mean to you and, and how you explain that to kids? One, in the sense of, you know, we surrender our lives to Jesus, but then there are also kind of aspects or we end up in seasons where, you know, there's another layer or another thing to surrender that has been, uh, you know, creeping in. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? The best way to phrase it is surrender is proceed, look at it as an upside down kingdom, turning the world upside down. The things that the world tells us that we should do, how we should respond is usually the opposite of what scripture tells us. Jesus was a king. Kings don't give their life as a sacrifice to the people to be killed, crucified, and then raised and save their sins and, and basically take all the burden off of them. King usually sacrifices the citizens to keep to maintain his own life because he's the prominent one. Upside down kingdom. Instead of Jesus uh, judging everybody, he forgave them. Mm. I'm surrendering to you my life. And in that surrender, he doesn't ask you to give up whatever your passions are. He says, no, do them towards the good of who I am. Mm. 
So if you love writing, write about things that uplift people. If you love speaking, speak uplifting things to people. If you love drawing, draw things that inspire other people or that that interpret things that people can really be built on. If, and if you love coaching, coach in a way that builds people not only right now for this play or this game or this goal we have, but that builds them for a lifetime. And, and so it's it's all about redirecting yourself to be more outward. Mm. while God's working inwardly and in, working in, in you. And so it's not relying on your ability to serve others and to help others, but God's ability to work through you to serve and help others. And that's what surrender truly means to me. And I actually haven't thought about that own definition for myself until right then. <laughs> I, Cause we do it in a different way. I never had to do it all at once. I said it that way. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's- now it's, I've done it before, but never all at once. Like, yeah, that, that's awesome. No, I appreciate you uh, sharing those thoughts, and, and and so I mentioned the the ministry that you're you're a part of called to greatness. Tell us kind of a, a little bit more about that and your role within the ministry, and and how you got plugged into called to greatness at Kansas. Called to greatness is a church based campus ministry. So we are connected to a church in the area of the campus that we're pouring into. And that church is basically like an overseer of our missions on the campus. And we do that because it means nothing to pour into someone and not connect connect them to community. Mm. Jesus made it clear that the church is the body. Like it's the people. The building that we call a church now is called referred to as a storehouse <laughs> in the, in biblically. And so, the, but the church itself is the people who flow in and out of the storehouse. That's right. And so the reality of it is, is that if I go on campus and pour into someone, but can't connect them to community, mm. then I'm only pouring into them what I am capable of, what I know, what I interpret of the Bible. And there's only one person that could do that mm. without passing on their sins. And that was Jesus. That's right. For me, if I was the only one pouring into someone, I'm also going to pour into the my faults. Because if I spend a lot of time with them, discipling them, they're going to see my my faults. They're going to see my uh, struggles, which Jesus didn't have any. So he poured into them and, and he kept restoring or, or re, uh, refreshing himself and nurturing himself through his father and kept pouring into them. But he didn't have any faults. I have faults. Connecting them to community allows the community to overwash what they may only see through me. And basically charge them to understand what their purpose is in God. I can meet with them and be able to uh, talk through a lot of things that this pastor might have brought up or, or what it meant to have the keys to the kingdom, which means what the church does on, on, on earth is bound in heaven and, and, the, and the keys to the kingdom as in God. J- Jesus entrusted you through the Great Commission to be disciple makers and not just Christians that go to heaven, but to be people who change the world. Mm. And, and so... It, the reality of that is what does that mean and how do you challenge and charge them to do it? So call to greatness. We meet people where they're at college students, particularly we have a youth based ministry too. And our goal is to get young people that are in college connected with God based on biblical truths, not religious sacraments or denominations, but more so on a genuine intimate relationship with God and how, and the, and the, and the gift that God gave them and how their gift adds to building the kingdom. That's powerful. That's awesome. I no, I love love that and and how cool to to think, you know, the experience that you got in the NFL to to now be able to, you know, serve these these kids in the way that, that you are and to uh to be able to share what God's done in your own life with them and and to encourage them, man, because their their lives are getting started there in college and yeah. 
Um, so that's, that's such a pivotal time in, in all of our lives if we went to college. So I think back on that and think about the, you know, the people from Campus Crusade that poured into me yeah. and, and that kind of thing. So uh, I love, love to hear that and uh, am encouraged by that. Let me, uh, let, let's end because we're, gosh, we could talk all day. So we'll, we'll, do, th- we'll do this again because there, there's so much more I want to, uh, to talk about with, with you. You mentioned being a, a father of four, right? Or you mentioned being a father, you're a father of four. Uh, this might be a, an even longer question, but how has fatherhood changed you? I can't go to father without talking about my wife, who's the most amazing person ever. Uh, fatherhood for me has taught me what it truly means to be a team player, or should I say to be a captain. Mm. I was a captain for five years in the NFL, out of seven years in, the, in a year in college. If I'm not in agreement with my wife of what it means to raise kids um, to the T, whether it's what time we eat, whether it's time to go to bed, time they bathe, like it's all these different nuances that can come up that could throw us off individually, which throws them off, period. (laughs) And as a parent, the patience it takes, father is the only title I'll ever share with God. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I can't take that lightly and I can't, but at the same time, you know, you'll never be like God, but this is something he entrusted to you to be in your kid's life. Because in my kid's life, I am their only father. Mm. I, am, I am trying to get them to understand who the true father is, but they're only going to learn that through me and that people understand that the way we view God a lot of times has a lot to do with the way we view our actual earthly fathers. And my relationship with them has to be an open door to where they comfortable with coming to me with whatever, mm. not afraid of judgment, but also not afraid of correction. Mm. And there's a balance. There's a balance of love. There's a balance of firmness or gentleness and joy playing with them. So fatherhood is the, one of the greatest things ever. I mean, it sucks when they're like under a year and they're all our kids. Is, we've been direct. We've, we've breastfed all our kids. So it's like, I don't matter unless it's playtime or they're <laughs> like no longer breastfeeding and it's, or a diaper needs to be changed. Yeah. And so, <laughs> collectively, my kids have probably had seven bottles in their entire lives between oh. the four, between the four of them. And so, and my son had four or five of the seven, the firstborn. So, um, so for me, it's the joy of just being in their presence. And that's when I learned the most is that being present, like not to quote, I mean, just quote Kobe. He said, it doesn't matter how many practices you have, if, but it's how many times you were mentally, in, mentally present in those practices that matter. Mm. For me, it doesn't matter how many kids you fathered or how many kids you have. It matters how many moments you are present with your kids <laughs> that matter. And so for me, I'm learning to just be present to not have my phone, to really, and it helps in marriage. Like it's the same way. It doesn't matter how many times, how long with my wife, if I'm never really present. Mm. And so she's just as beautiful. She's always been actually more beautiful, but I have to actually look up from my phone to notice the beauty that she, that she has. That's good. Looking yeah. down, I can, I, I can see her all day and look down and keep trying to compare what she's saying or what, or how I picture her to whoever I'm looking at on my phone or whoever comes by on social media. Or I can look her in the eye and enjoy the beauty and the majesty that God has poured into her to pour into our family and into me. And so, like, I'm becoming complete because of my family, not because of what I do on ministry. That's the exercising of what I learned in the home. <laughs> Man, and, that, no, that's awesome. And, and to place such a value on that, that role of, of being a father and I'm actually reading a book right now called Identity, and the chapter that I read yesterday, today, is about God the Father and, and, un, and understanding that, that who, who He is as our Father. So what you just said about, man, we share the same title, I, I never had thought about it or connected it that way, and just 
it, it even adds more weight to man. I, I'm, I'm a new dad. Six months. We have a little, yes, daughter, yes. <laughs> a little daughter. Um, eight episodes, like on the fifth. So that's awesome. Come uh, on. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So oh, girl dad. you said a daughter, girl dad. I, I'm a girl dad. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, uh, so it's a it's a powerful title, but it's 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 more than a title. But to think that that role, the the weight that comes with it, is that that same understanding that we have in our heavenly Father, uh, some of those characteristics that we can represent in that role. So that's good. That's good stuff, man. So um, I appreciate that. That was encouraging. And uh, man, I we'll we'll end it right there. But we'll just kind of we'll tell our listeners, hey. Daryl's coming back. We got to get we got to get him back here on the show. So uh, I appreciate it. Is uh, you're from Kansas City, so I assume you're a Chiefs fan, or no, you're a Charger. So you can't. So how does that work? So you're a Charger, AFC West. Who do you? Only one team has ever paid me me in my life. There you go. That's fair. That's fair. I, I was raised. I was raised in the Church of God in Christ, and I was usually at church on Sunday at noon. So you okay? So I I made an assumption because you're yeah, a Kansas City but, guy. But, but 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 I will say Patrick Mahomes is definitely my quarterback in my keepers league, uh, <laughs> and that the Arrowhead is my favorite place to play. Being have played there in every year of my entire NFL career, and three of the four years I played in college because of the Mizzou Kansas rivalry. Oh yeah, I have an appreciation for the for Arrowhead, and I have an appreciation for their fan base. Yes, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. All right. Uh, AFC West all day. I want to know that I played in the best division in the AFC. Uh, and at the end of the day, I'm just saying that the AFC West has, I mean, Denver in the past six Super Bowls. I mean, Denver was in there twice. Yep. Chiefs in there once. Just saying. That's AFC pretty West good. Showing up. If it ain't the Patriots, it's the AFC West. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the, the AFC North, the AFC North, I guess. Yeah, but then you got the Browns dragging them down. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I'll give you the AFC West. Yeah, so I enjoy the AFC West. Uh, but it, the Chiefs is a great Chiefs kingdom. So I'm going to buy my shirt. My son, my wife got, thought it was funny and got my kids, my home jerseys. And, uh, yeah. And I was like, what are you doing? Patrick Mahomes jerseys. Yeah. But I was like, he's a, he actually is a really great role model. So, and I love the shirt that says that he, they they just printed for the Super Bowl that says for the kingdom. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Get it, get it, get it, get it to him. <laughs> I, I ain't gonna wear it, but Don't. I can't have Patrick Mahomes on my chest that with a Chiefs jersey on. I can't, I just can't. No. Can't. But belong for the kingdom. I, I'll wear it. They win, I'll wear the for the kingdom shirt with Patrick Mahomes on it. For the kingdom. That's uh I'm not a bandwagon fan. I'm appreciation, I'm appreciating the kingdom. And the Chiefs. There you go. The true the true kingdom. Hometown. Come on, at hometown. That's still hometown. And go ahead, bring the benefits of winning the Super Bowl back to the city of Kansas City. That's true. You'll like that. You can you can soak in that for sure. Well, cool. Well, he's he's Daryl Stuckey joining us here from Kansas here on the Unpacking It podcast and and definitely check out DarylStuckey.com and you can find out all the different ways to follow him on social media and uh, and keep up with some of the the different uh, encouragement that, that he's got going on with ministry and and just this desire living for one uh, him and his wife kind of their mission so so go check that out DarylStuckey.com Daryl thanks so much for being a part of this. Thank you for having me and being patient with my long answers and allowing me to pour my heart out with you. Oh, absolutely. No, it makes, makes it fun for me. So I, I loved it. So there he is, Daryl Stuckey, right here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson.
We're back in studio here and really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Daryl Stuckey and wanted to share a couple quick thoughts and takeaways from that conversation. And the one I already mentioned, just the, the idea of father and the weight of sharing the same name as God, God the Father. He wants us to know him as our heavenly father. And for those of us who are dads, that's a role that we have. I don't know. Maybe it's not as big of a deal. I don't know. It hit me when he said that in a, a fresh new way. It just kind of clicked. The uh, Like, you know the weight of it. Uh, yeah, I'm a dad. I'm responsible for, for my daughter. But the fact that it would be the same word and the characteristics that God is as a father and us understanding him as a father are similar characteristics that we can live out as a father it's pretty cool, and, and it gives us the benchmark, the standard to, to, to pursue. So uh, that was big, and also I, I was going to mention that he, he wanted to be an architect and a builder, and a few years ago when I was starting unpacking it, uh, I, I ended up meeting with kind of a, a business coach, life coach. His, his big thing was about vision, and it really helped me establish the vision for the ministry to kind of put what God had put on my heart on paper and to, to kind of wrap my mind around it. But, but what, one of the exercises that I did was figuring out what influenced me growing up or what were some of my skills or interests, even as a child. And one of the things that I loved to do growing up was, was build with Legos. And I was the kind of guy that, or kind of kid, that threw out the instructions. I, I, I don't even, maybe, maybe once or twice, but I rarely, if ever, used the instructions. I would just dump all the Lego pieces into one, and maybe my mom did it. <laughs> I don't know if she did it or I did, but they were all in this big yellow bin, and I would just take pieces out and build whatever I could think of. And, and not that they were even fancy things a lot of times they were they were houses and you know the the towns that we would build my my brothers and I but I love to just build from scratch and find what pieces fit where and what's so interesting is now flash forward you know it's been six years since since we started unpacking it we have had to build this ministry from scratch and we've taken pieces here we've taken pieces there and God has led us, God has provided, God has sustained us, and God has allowed me to lead and, and has you know, allowed me to use my gifts and talents, as, talents and interests to play my role in building this ministry, but it's that, that mindset that I had as a Lego builder. And so Daryl, talking about that himself, you know, wanting to be an architect and having some of those you know, skills and desires to now implement them and building people up and, and, and using the building mentality in his life now, uh, I can relate to. So it's kind of cool. So even as we have kids identifying some of the things that they're good at, like they're not going to grow up building Legos and they may not even grow up building houses, but there's something there that reveals something that's possible later on. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to think back on that. So I don't know what that is in your own life or what, what that is in your kid's life, but maybe something to 
unpack and consider. The other takeaway from the conversation, he talked about being in agreement. And, of course, in marriage, we're going to have disagreements. But it's getting to a place of agreement, unity, teammates, being on the same page. It's so crucial. And and now entering into this this new life as a dad, I see it even more. And the the value of it when when we're off or not on the same page, and that, that's that's tough to to move forward. So it's getting in unity, and and whether that's you know working with people uh, in the ministry or you know, whatever you, in your life at work, getting on the same page with people, being in agreement, getting to that place, whatever it takes to kind of work through the the chiseling or the challenges or the, the conflict to get to the agreement is, is crucial. So uh, I love that, that, that conversation. And then he used the word cultivate and defined it as maximizing potential. And, and when I think about that word cultivate, I think it's so important in relationships, cultivating relationships. It's, it's maximizing the, the potential of someone that you know. And, and not only you know, encouraging them to be the best that they can be, but for that relationship to be the best that it can be. It takes intentionality. It takes effort. It takes caring about the other person. And, and so you have to cultivate. Deep friendships, deep relationships, they don't just happen. They have to be cultivated. You're, all of our faith, you know, if we want to truly be followers of Jesus and, and to, to each day follow him and, and surrender like we talked about and, and to to take the necessary steps each day um we have to cultivate our faith we have to maximize the potential of of who we are and allowing god to maximize that in us but we have to cultivate our faith it doesn't just we can't just sit on our hands um so i, I like that i like that word cultivate period and then i like his definition maximizing potential i think that's pretty cool so a uh, lot, lot of good nuggets there. Hope you were encouraged, challenged, and inspired by Daryl Stuckey. And we're already talking about getting him back on the show. So we'll do that again. That was, uh, that was a, a good one. So thanks to him. Thanks so much for joining me today. And I hope you'll stay connected with us throughout the week on social media and on unpackingit.com. If you have any thoughts about today's show, you can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. Until next time. I'm Bryce Johnson, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins, he was resurrected, and through faith I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This has been the Unpacking It Podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.